0: Alright, well it's good to be together here. Welcome back. If you were at our Harvest Festival last week, uh, we're happy to have you back. And just if you're here all the time, we're happy to have you here too. Uh, today we are continuing our series, or really starting our series, the seven people that, who help you get to heaven. Amen. And I'm assuming that you're at church that you want to get to heaven. Amen. That's just kind of a baseline there that we all want to get there. Uh, as we uh, get started here, I just wanted to clarify a little bit that it was Steve's stepfather that passed away who had been married to his mom for about 25 years, not his father. But him and his sister are over in Denmark and appreciate uh, all of your prayers. And uh, I want to thank you for all of our, your prayers for my brother-in-law who came through his surgery really well two weeks ago. I know we were all praying for that. And uh, so keep uh, their family in, their, in your prayers as we continue to go on. But uh, today, the title is The Visionary, and we're going to be talking about having vision, how people and Jesus has visions for our lives, that he sees us not just for who we are and for our shortcomings and for our sins, but he sees us through eyes of faith of who we can be, of who we are in God's eyes, of what we're going to become as the years go on, of the greater glory that we're going to be transformed into because of Jesus. And I do want to give uh, Sam Lang some credit here for this series, that we are basing it off of his book with the same title. And he is in one of our ministers that's been in the ministry for probably almost 50 years, maybe 40, 50 years. Um, so I figured if we're going to really talk about vision, he is one of the people that I think of in our Churches around the world that has vision. Left to my own self, am I a person, a really visionary person? You know me, right? <laughs> probably not, right? I would probably be the practical person in telling you all the things, the, why this might not work and what happened in the past when you tried that. and Maybe you can relate. But we're here to put that aside and look through the eyes of Christ. Because in that way, being a disciple means that you are and need to be a visionary like Jesus. Right. If we're going to be like Jesus and he was visionary, then what do we need to be? We need. OK, I'm just just, just finishing the thought there. I mean, imagine Jesus coming up to Simon the first time he meets him and he says, you're going to be called Peter. You're going to be the rock. You're going to be a pillar in my church. And him knowing that Peter was going to begin the church, that Peter was going to be the leader for all the Jews, that Peter was going to ultimately die for his faith, before they even had a conversation, Jesus had that vision of who Peter was. Now, I'm sure that he did not feel like that guy at the time. You know, in the Old Testament, there was Moses. He had been tending sheep for 40 years when God appeared to him in the burning bush. And he said, I'm going to use you to lead two million people out of Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world. You are going to totally pummel and you're going to lead them into the promised land. To which Moses said, you got the wrong guy. That's not me. I mean, you might be thinking of somebody else. I can't even talk. I can't do it. I, I'm a, I've been out here for 40 years. I'm in my 70s, man. I can't be doing that. <laughs> and yet in Acts 7:22 it says, Moses was educated and a powerful speaker. That even though he was those things, he wasn't those things in his own mind. And yet in the Bible, it says he was a good speaker, but in his own mind, he wasn't a very good speaker. That sounds like some of us. I'm not too good at this. I'm not too good at that. And yet, in God's eyes, you are good at something. You're good at a number of things. I mean, as Aaron was up here just doing the welcome, he's got the gift, doesn't he? I mean, I know he says he gets all nervous and everything, but the guy can preach. He could be the best preacher in our church (laughs) right now. See, it doesn't matter if you're in the full-time ministry, if you're not. I mean, whatever it is, Aaron has got the gifts. And whether he's paid or not paid, I think he needs to be up here more often <laughs> preaching the word. Even if he might not want to, he might be the Moses of the crew. But... So if you agree with me, you can find him in fellowship today afterwards. You know, we need to get a vision for our lives even before it happens. We have to have the thought come in before we can actually do it. You know, I know Connor, he's up, he was up at the campus retreat with all the students around L.A. and, and the Southern California and Southwest, that area actually, with a lot of other seniors in high school, just going to get a vision of what life is like beyond mom and dad. I mean, how much fun you can have and what, what's out there and, the, and, the, and the young people with convictions and, and it's an amazing thing to get a vision for your life. You know, if you don't have vision, it's hard to give vision. So today, it's not only to get vision, but to be able to give vision to others. And why don't we pray, and then we're going to watch a video that talks about uh, a mission that took some vision that happened about 50 years ago. We just passed the anniversary of the, the lunar landing. And so we're going to watch a little video about the vision that it took for that to happen. But let's, let's pray before we do that. Uh, Father, I pray that you open up our hearts today. God, that you open up our minds, you open up our spirits. God, help us to grow in our faith, to see life, not just from our own two eyes, but see life the way you see it. God, I pray that you get me out of the way and that you use uh, me in these next and your word in these next few minutes to inspire us, to help us to, to be the men and women that you want us to be. God, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was just inspired watching that video. You know, why set out to do something that's easy when you can set out to do something great that's hard? You know, I don't know what inspired someone to look up at the moon and just go, you know what? We got to go there. You know, like probably for thousands of years, people maybe dreamed, hey, we're going to maybe they didn't even know what it was. And finally, somebody said, let's go there. I heard that they did it with technology that was less than what you have in your hand. It's amazing what they could do with nothing and just some ingenuity and a lot of hard work. And it just brought people together. What an inspiring thing. That's what we're trying to do as a church is to change the world. That's what Jesus had a vision of doing It's way more impossible than getting to the moon. Yeah. But to change the hearts of men and to turn people towards him and to somehow take us to heaven someday. I mean, if you think about that's the mission is somehow to get way way past the moon to get into the spiritual realms of heaven someday. That is pretty pretty audacious plan that God has that took a lot of vision. And I pray that you can see that even greater today. Point number one is a visionary sees with eyes of faith. He doesn't see, like I said before, our shortcomings or who we are now. A visionary doesn't lose faith when we stumble. A visionary doesn't lose faith even when we fall on our face again and again. They still believe. They still have hope. Turn over to John chapter 9, and I'll start reading in verse 1. It says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, he said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That Jesus saw this man that people passed every single day in a story that many of you are very familiar with. And yet he saw him with the eyes of faith, that he was going to be somebody that would glorify God. That even though he was stuck for years and years and years, Jesus didn't see a blind man who was worthless, a blind man who was in sin, a blind man whose parents were in sin, a blind man who came from terrible stock. He saw a man that would glorify God. He saw a man that would be bold and stand up to the leaders of the country. He saw a man who would also be a light to the world. That is what this man saw in Jesus on this particular day. You know, you may be asking, how do we have the vision of Jesus if he's not here? I mean, that would be cool if Jesus would just walk down the aisle and just go up to every one of you and say, hey, here's your vision for your life here. I wrote it down. I give you an envelope and you get one. That would be pretty awesome. I talked to somebody this week and they they said, I know God is near, but I wish you would just work a little harder. (laughs) You know, I mean, I know he's awesome, but, you know, it's just not working. And we can, all, we can feel, when we're honest, we can feel that way, right? Yeah. God, you're amazing. You created the world. Everything is for you. And yet, what is up? I'm blind. I can't see with eyes of faith. You know, I use the, the parallel story here where this guy literally can't see. But how many of us are spiritually in the same place that we don't see what God sees? We just see our own world. We see our mat. We hear people going by, but we're not in touch with Jesus. Jesus said that I've made you as Christians. You are the new you. In Ephesians 4, it says you put off your old self and now you're the new self. And yet so many of us, we spend so much time thinking about our old self and what we used to be like and how we used to live that we don't think about who we are. And we become what we think about. And if you think about your sins and your shortcomings and you tell yourself you're a loser and you're an idiot and you never change and you always do this, then guess what? You always will. But if you tell yourself that you're a new creation and that God forgives you and that he inspires you and that he's going to make you into something great. Then guess what you'll become? He's given us his church, filled with visionary people, to build up his body. To help us to see, you know, the tagline for the series, Imperfect People Helping Imperfect People. You know, now imagine this guy, he's healed, he can see for the first time, he's excited, obviously. But does he have no need for vision the rest of his life? Of course not. Right. We need vision over and over. Some of us look back. Well, I became a, I had enough vision to become a Christian. I had enough vision to believe in Jesus. And that is great. But you, that's not it. Right. We need vision as we live all the time, day by day. It could be at different times more than others. That's what the church is all about. Is And God's word is all about is to revitalize us. We need visionaries now. I don't know about you. I need a visionary now. We all need to be inspired. What would Timothy have been without Paul? Would he have led the church in Ephesus without Paul's vision for him? Probably not. Would he have ever left his little hometown without Paul? Probably not. That's not what people did back then. They stuck with the family. But he ended up Having an impact over most of the known world because someone had vision for him and God intervened. Visionaries help us get started. They help us to see that we can glorify God with our lives. They help us to see that we can bless other people, that we can actually make a difference with other people's lives. And they also bring us fulfillment because as we're living for Christ, we're excited. We're fulfilled. It's a meaningful life when you feel like you're making a difference. You know, I've shared a couple times that we did the men's midweek where we talked about our gifts. And just to think about, God has gifted me to do stuff, to build up you, to build up the church, to make a difference. Are the visionaries that God put in our lives perfect? Nope. Nope. Are they wrong sometimes? Yep. Yep. And some of you have probably been thinking about that as I've been talking. Well, this person said I was going to do this, and this person said I was going to do that. And... That's not helpful. But visionaries can make a difference because they open us up to the possibilities that God wants to use us and he will use us. You know, this week I needed some visionaries in my life in a lot of different ways, but here was one other way. That was my car. I, we, we, got, we went uh, off-roading a little bit, and uh, you could see I have a tow rope uh, attached to the back of it because I got stuck. And we start going up the hill. We just went up this really fun one, and we're all celebrating like, oh, yes, this is amazing. And this is our first trip with this truck, right? So we're testing it out. Oh, my gosh, this thing's amazing. And all of a sudden, we start sliding. <laughs> and we slid five feet to the right, and, man, that was a lot. It put us kind of hanging off the cliff. You can't see it there, but the car was not going anywhere. You can see the back tires kind of bent. There's a rock off to the bottom right. That was actually underneath the truck, and it was barely touching the muffler. And so I was so frustrated at the time. This is not a good story for me, but I was so frustrated. I was just like, you know what? Let's just go forward, go backwards. I don't care. Just get out. I don't care if it messes up the bottom. It's going to dig a hole in it, whatever. Let's. I was just, I was done. You ever been done? I was done. And I bet you never would expect that Amory Summeripa Jr. and my son would be more patient than me. Would you ever believe that if I told you? No way. You would never believe that. But they were so patient, they worked on this thing for an hour digging up underneath it. We didn't have any tools. This is our first time with their hands. They're digging it out. Amory wasn't even going to come with us. And he ends up, you know, he's like a big dude. So he's pulling the rock out. He finally gets it out. And they, they Uber from out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> he had to walk through the road. And then they Ubered. And then they brought the Bronco back. And we made it out. And after it was all said and done, you know when your blood pressure finally comes down? <laughs> I started thinking, you know what? It was not impossible after all. I thought, there's no way we're getting out of this without some damage, without some money, without something. And there was no damage and no money, except for the 10 bucks for the Uber. And that was a little life lesson that, hey, it's going to be okay. Life is not that bad. That God, even in impossible situation, God says, you know what, that's nothing. Yeah. And sometimes he uses young folks to, to help us out. And so I pray that you can see your situation with eyes of faith. And you can see others the same way. Point number two. A visionary sees with imagination and sees our gifts. You know, I know the women just had a midweek on Creativity. And just all the amazing things that people are doing and the way they're serving and the way they're just, you know, creating all these amazing things. And we have that ability within each of us. That when you're just grinding out life, you're not feeling very imaginative, are you? You know, when, when, you're, when you're walking with Jesus, Jesus comes up to this guy, look in, verse, in, in John 9, 6. It's pretty incredible what he does here. He says, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it in the man's eyes. It's pretty creative. (laughs) Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. The man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly Seen him begging, asked, isn't this the same man that used to sit and beg? Some claimed that it was. Others said, no, it only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know his response. That took a lot of creativity. I I don't know how Jesus came up with that idea. Like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to spit on the ground, and then I'm going to put it in this guy's eye, and I'm going to tell him to just go walk to this pond across town called Siloam, which obviously the irony there that he was sent, and he's going to the pond named sent, so it's kind of the message there. And then I'm going to leave the guy by himself. So when he comes back, I'm gone. And he has to stand up to the leaders by himself and whatever. And just an amazing thing. You know, God has so much imagination. Sometimes you have to look at your situation with some imagination to see it being different than it is, right? You know, you have to look at, if you picture somebody in your family that maybe isn't doing all the things that you want them to be doing right now, it takes some imagination to picture that happening. Like I was over at the Moya's house today, and, you know, Jen's out of town. Pray for her. She's with her, uh, her father in Florida. And, you know, I'm talking with Louis, and, you know, he always makes me this cool coffee thing. And it's, it's really good. It's not real healthy, but it's pretty tasty. <laughs> And so he's making me the coffee, and I'm like, oh, this is great, thanks for the coffee. And I couldn't help looking, I looked beyond the counter, and there's a big old pile of dishes in the sink. I mean, it was all up and over, like, if you put one more thing, it was going to all fall over. And that's not like, that's not how it usually is when we're at their house. And the funny thing was, is that they were all plastic items. And they were all like Tupperware things, and there's like... Fifteen of them in there. I'm like, they're eating out of Tupperware when Jen's gone. I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, I want, I'm wondering, are they going to just throw them all away afterwards so they don't have to do dishes? And, you know, and, and so we go and we're hanging out and I see Christopher mulling around in the kitchen and I come back and Christopher did all the dishes. Come on, Christopher. And I'm telling you, it would have taken me some imagination to picture some of your kids and my kids doing dishes like that when their parent wasn't even telling them to do it, it was just done. So if you're a teen and you want to blow your parents away, yeah. do a whole sink full of dishes and you'll, you'll pretty much get whatever you ask for after that. If you need that for motivation. But sometimes we have to see our family members with God's eyes and a little imagination to see them living like Christ. To see Him loving the church. To picture them serving other people picture them reading their bibles and praying out loud in the backyard just walking around praying you know picture them challenging you on your sin picture them sharing scriptures with the family every day you know we got to use our imagination sometimes to see things that aren't there at the time you know some of us in our in our dating lives some of you who are not married and want to be married, so you need to use some imagination, right? So picture yourself with the person that God has chosen for your life. The person that you're attracted to, the person that's going to inspire you spiritually, the person that is going to walk you through this life and you're going to end up going to heaven with, and you're going to go to those marriage retreats and wear matching shirts like the Venturas. <laughs> Some of you guys right now, you're having a hard time. And you're fight, you just fought everything. You didn't hear the last like minute of what I said. (laughs) Right? In the kids kingdom, there was a couple people that had the look on their face like, man, can we get past this already? (laughs) That's exactly what I'm talking about. That God sees you with eyes of faith. You know, I imagine that we, we started our TBTs up recently and, you know, it was fun to go and you see Drew and he's there with his friends. And, you know, Adam was out there this week and he had like three or four of his friends there. And I just was, I was fired up. I was excited. But to see, wow, I wonder how many of these kids on our high schools have anybody who has vision for them spiritually, who believes that they can be more than whoever their friends tell them they can be. You know, how many opportunities are they going to have? And I know a lot of you are teachers and you feel that way too, that that's your mission. and that, But to bring vision to our world, that is what your job is. And that's what my job is. Not just because I'm in the minister, because I follow Jesus. That's what Jesus did everywhere he went. Why do you think people wanted to be around him? Because he saw that how much of a loser they were? No. Because he believed in them because he saw them for what they could be, because he saw their gifts. He knew who they could be with him and who they would become. You know, uh, there's two things that can happen when we think about our gifts. Number one, we can overestimate our gifts. There's some people that just don't quite understand that maybe they're not qualified for certain things. Or, you know, if you wanted to get me, ever played Pictionary before? My family is like outlaws that game. That game is like not allowed. We can play, uh, what's the game with the, the speaking game? Catchphrase, we're all over that. But not, but Pictionary, no. We, I mean, we used to play with the Smiths and it would be like, he would have this amazing like work of art and it would just be like stick figures with a couple lines here and there. And, you know, sometimes we gotta be honest and we gotta be humble and God. Spiritually, he says, you know, have a sober estimate of yourselves. That not all gifts are equal. Not all gifts are yours, or not all gifts are mine. Will you speak like Aaron? I don't know, but most of you probably won't. You know, will you be as good with numbers as Richard Matcham? Probably not. (laughs) You know, will you be able to swim or surf better than Adam? I know I won't. I mean, I was, we went wakeboarding one day, and man, I re- found out real quick this is not my thing. <laughs> Cal was there, he saw it. And Adam just got up the first time. I'm like, that is not my gift. I could tell you that I spent years comparing myself to a guy that some of you know named Bob Harpole. The guy is so disciplined, and he has a plan for everything, and if you ever ask him what his plan is, he'll tell you, and it'll be kind of like outlined and numbered with ones and A's and all the way down to the practicals. I asked him one time about his D-groups and what they were like, and he said, yeah, we have all the, these are the the, the five principles of our D-groups, and these are the lessons that we did to establish that, and this is what we do, and this is how we rotate the speakers, and this is, and I just left there going, there is no way I'm ever going to do that. <laughs> I mean you lost me at five things for my D group. <laughs> and after like 4 years of agony cuz discipline would be my weakest strength and that was his strongest thing. And so a lot of us we spend a lot of our time comparing our weakest to someone else's strongest and guess how we feel. <laughs> Not good. And it finally hit me after about four years of feeling like a loser in our staff meetings. This is deep. I'm not Bob Harpole. That was it. Man, that was so freeing that I could be me and I don't have to be him. Some of you guys do the same thing. If you could just be fired up to be you... And the gifts that you have, and not try to be someone else, it would probably re- revolutionize your life. And others that you know, we sometimes we overestimate. I kind of got off track on the Bob Harpole thing, but sometimes we underestimate ourselves. And I say most of the time we do this. Oh, I'm not too good at that. Oh, I mean, no, I, I don't have I, I don't have a gift of leadership. No, I'm, I'm not that good at that. I just lead like. 40 people at work, but I, I, I don't really have the gift of doing that, you know. I, I want to be humble, so I don't want to take on any responsibility or leadership because, you know, there's probably someone else who's better. That's what we do, isn't it? And that's probably why we have a lack of family group leaders. Because people that are really gifted at it are thinking, well, maybe there's someone else who's better. Maybe I'm not as good as James, or maybe I'm not as good as Darren, but, you know, we, we start doing that... We'll, Don't be James. Don't be Darren. Be you. You love your friends. You want them to go to heaven. That's about all you need to be a family group leader. Just pray for people. Care about them. That's not a a big thing. So many times we have faith for other people, but we don't have faith for ourselves. You know, a couple weeks ago we had our midweek all together. If you're visiting, you can just kind of check out for about 30 seconds here. (laughs) We had our midweek service together and I went around and said, Jake was preaching and I just kind of got antsy. I went to the back, was walking around and said, and I just counted everybody up and we had 88 adults here, including in Kids Kingdom. And we, you know how many members we have? We have 156 members. So, uh, I wasn't a statistics major, but that's less than 60% of people were here at midweek. And before you get all down on yourself, what did that tell me? We don't have that much faith. And we don't have a lot of vision. Because the people that weren't here obviously didn't have vision that they were going to come and help someone else. And maybe if they felt like people believed in them, maybe they would want to show up. Why wouldn't you want to go somewhere where people think you're great and think you have a great vision for your life? And so sometimes we just talk about, hey, how come you weren't at midweek when really that's not the problem. The question we should be asking is, where is your faith? How come you don't see what God sees in your own life? How come you feel worthless that you don't have an impact on the church? Why are you still there? You read your Bible every day just like me. That's the only way to get faith. If you don't have faith, then why don't you start reading your Bible more? That's the only way that we, any of us gets that. You know, God says that we all have gifts. I'm just going to give you these scriptures. You can take a picture of them. But we all have gifts, whether it's prophesying or serving or teaching or encouraging or giving or leadership or, or showing mercy. You know, in Exodus, it talks about get all the people who are skilled workers and designers and all, help them use their gifts to build this physical temple. And in 1 Peter it says that you, in everything you do administer God's grace as if you're serving God. You know, what would our church look like if everyone felt like we were serving God? That we were using our gifts, that we were serving and showing mercy and encouraging and inspiring and helping. And we've done it before. And we've had it done to us, so we know what it is, but... Sometimes we lack the faith or the imagination or the inspiration to just say, I know you have a lot of good feelings toward people around you, but if they don't hear you say anything, it's probably not going to help them that much. If we came to church every week and you told three people how gifted you are, they are in certain areas, that could change everything for us, for me, for you and the spirit and the faith of our group. Just a thought. Point number three. Inspires others. A visionary inspires others. They raise our expectations for ourselves. I mean, you think about it, even in sports, when someone says, well, I think you could do, I think you could do this. I think you could do the Spartan race. Uh, I never thought about the Spartan race. Now you put it in my mind. Now I've got to go try You know, when we have vision for each other, we inspire each other to do great things for God. It opens up our minds for God to use us. Okay. Let's read John chapter 9 here, verse 35. We'll close out and take communion here. He said, Jesus heard that he had thrown him out. When he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, Tell me so I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? Shouldn't challenge Jesus like that, man. Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So many times these same people walked by this same guy and they thought to themselves, what a sinner. What a sinful family that he's from. I can't even believe he's sitting here. I'm sure that those people probably didn't give him much money. And if they did, they felt like, well, God told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. Their heart wasn't in it. And yet Jesus came by and flipped the tables that they were found wanting because they didn't have vision. Because they couldn't see Jesus when he was right there. You know, I want to ask, as we close out here, I want you to ask yourself a few things. Ask God if you feel like, hey, I need more vision in my life. And I hope after this that you feel that way. Ask God to give you more faith and more vision in your life. And then wait patiently for the answer. You know, Luke 11 talks about being bold and persistent. And God will answer that prayer. You know, if you're wondering, how can I be sure that somebody's vision for me is accurate? In James 1, it says, pray for wisdom and God will make it clear. You know, you can evaluate over time. If they, if you get a vision and you try it out for a while and it's not you, then guess what? You can change. Try something else. But you'll never know until you try. It may be the thing that you've been waiting for. And to think, how can I be a visionary for those around me? How can I encourage people? How can I share with them their gifts? How can I help them to build up their families and, and the family group in the world? If we have those converse if you have that conversation this week, you will be a visionary to somebody in here. And number five, connect with somebody who you think is a visionary. That he can, they can help you out. And if you don't know any visionaries, then try with your friends. Your spiritual friends, guess what? That's your visionary in case you're wondering. Don't everybody come to one or two people. You have people that know you in your own life that have a vision for you, that want to help. And if you come to someone and say, what do you see in me? How can I be used by God? Believe me, they're going to tell you. And as we close out, Jesus, in John chapter 10, you know, we use that chapter for a lot of different things about the good shepherd. And there's a lot of... Jesus is the good shepherd and there's a lot of good points there, but that really wasn't what he was saying. It's right after this point about being blind, And he said, the point of Jesus was saying, in verse 7, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. He was basically, John 10 was, come to me. I'm the one you need to come to. I'm the one that's going to save you. I'm the one that's going to help you. I'm the one that's going to lead you through this life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Even the blind ones, even the ones that ignored his miracle right to his face, said, I'm going to lay down my life so that you can see. Because just because he told the guy he was blind there didn't mean that he couldn't see could see later. Jesus doesn't just put you in one place forever. You have a chance to change even when he says the words. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And I lay down my life for my sheep. I pray that you realize how much God knows you and how much vision he has for each one of your lives, even if it takes imagination on your part, that he wants you to achieve what he what he has planned for you and he wants you to be inspiring to others. So I pray as we take communion that you can pray about this and think about Jesus who went to the cross to give us hope and give us a new life. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for how much you believe in us. Thank you for your love for us, God. Thank you that you don't see us for all of our shortcomings, but you see us with eyes of faith. God, help us to renew our minds even now. To see that in ourselves and to see that in others because of you. That we won't see sins, but we'll see the blood of Christ. God, I pray that we can see our own lives with faith and imagination and see the gifts you've given us. those around us. God, thank you for dying for us, for laying down your life for your sheep. We love you. We, We pray that as we take the bread that represents your body and the juice that represents your blood, that we can do it in a worthy manner. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.